Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, it is good to be back from vacation. I'll try not to rub it in, um, but one of the places we visited was Jamaica. Uh, Jamaica is a beautiful place. Um, we had the privilege of journeying through um, the, the countryside to a, a whitewater rafting trip. We, we drove by, look, okay, look, see, the pictures start coming up. Um, I'm not sure if that's terror. If you can see that close, there's, there's a lot of like, there's some, there's like, oh, I'm getting about to get wet. But anyway, so that's, that's um, Matt and Zaina and Angela and Janae and then Christy, who we just prayed for, who went on the cruise with us and then went to the hospital um, when she got back to have surgery, which was planned, but, and then me in the back of that. But anyway, we, you know, we're going through. And so you're driving through the countryside to see this, and it was just beautiful to, to, to be in just three-mile whitewater rafting trip from, from you know, it wasn't, like, it wasn't like Colorado whitewater rafting. It wasn't like it was like really, um, but it was fun. It, but we got to saw the, see the countryside. and It's interesting, though, as you drive through Jamaica, you see this incredible... I don't know, um, this, this two sides of the street, essentially. One side is abundance, and the other is poverty. As you drive through, you know, here I'm supposed to be on vacation, right? And I, I just can't, I'm on vacation, yes, but, but as I drive through the streets of Jamaica, and you see the homes that people live in, you realize you could not go anywhere in Topeka and find a home that looked like it. Now, there's some nice homes, but there's also some poverty. And, and you see it and you think, oh, God, what can I do about this? You know, the, our, our raft guide that, that's in the back of the picture there, and somehow I picked a picture that cut his head off. It's not very nice, but anyway, no one knows him. But, but at the end of that trip, I wanted to, I, I wanted to um, bless him. It was probably his only trip of the day. It was probably his only, so I, I, we tipped him well. We, we, you know, I know he's probably getting paid a little bit by the hour or whatever, but, but we wanted to do that. Angela, as we're on this bus trip, you know, or this trip to go there, the crazy thing is we, we end up having to go shopping. I'm on vacation. I'm not supposed to go shopping. That doesn't sound like vacation, right? I mean, think about it. So, so we go shopping, and we're done shopping, and, and we're sitting in the bus waiting for the other people on our trip to, to be ready to go, which we didn't know them, but they were still shopping. And so we're sitting there, and Angela starts to have a conversation with our bus driver. And she saw his Bible and just began to have a conversation, began to ask questions about his family. And so we tipped him well as well, and we, we just want to bless them. But here we've lived on this week trip where we've lived in abundance. But as you drive on the road, you see that there are those who live in poverty. And I realize there's people who live in poverty in our nation. There's people who live in poverty um, around the world. And part of our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to do something about it. I mean, just in whatever ways we can, you know, whatever ways we can help people, and we, whatever ways we can help people in the moments they find themselves. And we, you know, we try as a church to do things and help people. And obviously in, in Topeka, we're blessed with an incredible mission. The rescue mission is an incredible place. And we as a church support the rescue mission. They do what they do so well. And so we want to always help. But today our emphasis is on one day to feed the world. 
And, and it's interesting, as you look at this offering envelope and inside the flap, it says $120 can feed a child for an entire year. I mean, think about that for just a moment. $120 can feed a child for an entire year. And, and what's happening in the, in, in the way they do that, it's, it's amazing, but rice and beans and how they're producing and because of all of the programs that the convoy has with agricultural development, you saw the women's empowerment. I forgot to show the video. I got in a hurry. Here's the video. Show the video. Good. A little bit about what Convoy of Hope does, but also with that women's empowerment, rural, rural compassion, uh, community events, um, agricultural programs, they teach. In fact, what happens, what happens in, in some of these countries like Haiti is they give the seed to the, to, the, to the farmer. And then the farmer gives back part of their crop to help feed their own nation. And then Convoy also buys back some of their crop in order to feed their nation. So it's an incredible process. It's a really cool process. When you see it, it's really amazing. And you know, all this, and when we think about community events, we'd love to see one here. I mean, 2018, we can't even book it for 2017 because they're already booked across the United States to bring a community event to Topeka to serve the needs of those around us. And so really, when we're thinking about today, it really is kind of a compassion Sunday. We're going to look at, you know, one day to feed the world, and we're going to provide meals for kids and um, look, they're feeding 150,000 children around the world every day. Convoy is and in 10 countries, Haiti and, and others like them. And, uh, you know, we're also going to talk about some local stuff as well. Because I think we have a responsibility to do something for our local community as well as the world. And so today I thought we'd take a journey through the teachings of Jesus that have direct implication for us um, in our world as well as the first century. We're going to take a time and receive an offering at the end, but, um, and that's going to go for those in the world that will go without food if we don't do something about it. And the people that are less fortunate than us. We talk about this today because every person in America has the opportunity to be in a better place than much of the developing world. In fact, every follower of Jesus has a responsibility to give to the poor. So the journey today is about basic discipleship as taught by Jesus. It would be included in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount or Luke's Sermon on the Plain. It's in both places. But Luke, Luke writes to a predominantly Gentile audience. The timeless teaching of Jesus applied to the Gentile in the first century, but also applies to us as well. Jesus had his habit of, of taking everything that was understood in his time and then pushing his followers just a little bit further on the topic. He was unwilling to accept the status quo. What was acceptable in Jesus' culture, if it wasn't right, was going to be challenged. And there's no question that this teaching of Jesus does exactly that. It pushed the people listening, the disciples and the crowd gathered, to consider the higher calling of Jesus for their lives and what they could do for their community. And our responsibility is not just for our community. Our responsibility is to our community. We, we have a responsibility to, to minister in our community, but we have a responsibility to minister around the world. 
the Great Commission commands us to make disciples of all nations. And when Jesus said that, the disciples didn't quite grasp it. They were still thinking all nations were Jewish people were living. So Jesus is speaking to a crowd that is gathered. And he has been teaching them for a while. But then he begins this teaching that we're going to focus on today. Luke chapter 6 verse 27 says this. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Jesus' instructions for that day was for them to love their enemies. And that wasn't just in words either. Jesus addresses it pretty quickly by saying, do good to those who hate you. That isn't think good thoughts about those who hate you. It isn't tell someone else to do good to those that hate you. It's personal. They are your enemies. You do good for them. In fact, don't stop at doing good for them. Bless them. Speak good of them. Offer a blessing for them. The people gathered that day would have understood that. They would understand the power of the blessing. They would have been familiar with the blessings that were given to their forefathers. And if they hadn't already gotten the message, Jesus instructs the people to pray for those that hurt you. This isn't the kind of prayer that we would normally pray for those that hurt us or pray for our enemies, right? We, we prefer the James and John kind of prayer from Luke 9, 54, right? I mean, th this is my kind of prayer for the people who don't like me. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Okay, that's the kind of prayer that we usually want to pray for our enemies. Okay. I mean, right, I mean, there, there's, some, there, there's some enemies in the room today. I know that. There's Bronco fans and Chiefs fans. You should pray for one another. You should bless them. You should do good to them. Never, I saw. <laughs> Pastor Hannah, you should not do that. I, I read lips pretty well, as you just found. Um, and, uh, and so... <laughs> You, you think about it yesterday, right? There's, there's, there, you know, and I know I'm making light of the enemy thing, but, but when you start to think about it, when you start to realize that Jesus really means this, he really means that those who don't agree with us, those who, who are different than us, those who, who see things differently, those who, who don't like us, those who hate us, do good to them. Pray for them. Bless them. Love them. He gives four instructions that are pretty powerful. And if we do them, it's, it's extremely powerful. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He wants them to really understand what he's saying. So, so he goes on in verse 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. It's a great challenge. I mean, think about that. Again, to understand this, you, you sort of, a little bit have to understand the, the Jewish culture. The coat was extremely important. 
Many of us, if we misplace a coat or lose a coat, no big deal, right? I mean, if we lose a coat, we got another one. I mean, it might, may not fit the outfit or whatever we're wearing, but we've got other coats, right? We're not, we're not limited in coats. That, that was not necessarily the case, especially for the poor. Jesus' audience would have been familiar with the law of Moses and the importance of the coat. Exodus 22 Verse 26 is, if you, if you take your neighbor's cloak as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. Now, I mean, think about that. Okay, you, you've just bought my house. I, I've, you, you know, instead of a mortgage, I thought I'd carry the loan for you. And, and in security, I want your coat. But i got to give it back before sunset. Like, there's not much security in that, right? I mean, there, there's not, you, you know, but that's the culture that they lived in. That's the culture they understood, that if you were to take a coat from somebody, you have to give that thing back that day because at night, and it goes on in verse 27, this coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it and your neighbor cries out to me for help, then I will hear, for I am merciful. Look, this would apply to anyone, but in this case, especially to someone who's going through a difficult time or somebody who's poor because they've had to borrow from their neighbor. But Jesus is, the crowd gathered, they would have understood that. And when Jesus is talking about the coat and giving it away and let it go, it's not a problem. Verse 32 gets a little more interesting, a little more challenging. If you love only those who love you, why should you credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why, why should you credit for that? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. So, so Jesus tells the people gathered that day, hey, if you only love those who love you, wow, that's impressive. It's not what Jesus says. He says, if you love those who love you, that's just the beginning point. Well, look, I'll give you an example, right? Everybody's aware that Thanksgiving was this past week, right? Thursday. And so, so Thursday, I, I'm... I'm like gonna help out for Thanksgiving dinner, right? I, I'm, I've got great skills um, in the kitchen. Okay, I don't, um, but 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 I can peel potatoes, and so I and and I'm I'm a bit of a a really impressive cook because I'll sit on my recliner with the bucket of the trash can in front of me and I'll just peel the potatoes and stick them in the can. But to this time, this Thanksgiving, it didn't stop at just peeling potatoes. I cut them up. And I expect credit for that. Ansel looked at me. And she says, look, in another 20 years, you'll be able to do the whole dinner. <laughs> I'm a bit pathetic when it comes to that kind of stuff. But, but if I do something, I really sort of want credit for it. But we're that way. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Look, if you do what everybody does, then don't expect to get credit for that. It's not until you go further. When you start to love people who don't love you, you're going to get credit for that. But you're not getting credit for just doing the stuff that everybody ought to do. See, nobody's looking at me like, oh, man, he's amazing. Like, he peeled potatoes and cut them up. Everybody's like, oh, feel sorry for your wife. You are a worthless human being. Okay? I mean, that's, that's really what your response is at. And, of course, that's what your response ought to be in some level. Because we're just doing what ought to be done. We're part of a family, right? We do things. I even busted out the vacuum cleaner, did some vacuuming that day. It's getting slightly better, but not much. 
but when you look at and Jesus is saying that to the, to the crowd gathered, think about this. You're wanting credit for things that you ought to do. That's not good enough. You, you, you have to love those who don't love you. You need to love those who hate you. He goes on and explains further. Verse 35. In case they're not getting the message, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Now, he's not talking about friends here. <laughs> he's talking about enemies. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He was to us, wasn't he? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, 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 was, he was kind and compassionate to us when we were not his followers. Verse 36 is, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Now, I realize we've been talking about enemies and loving enemies and all that, but, but I want you to understand something. We, we know that Jesus instructed us throughout the scriptures to love our neighbors, right? We, we know that. We, we, we're to love our neighbors. And now Jesus' instructions are to love those who hate us. So I want you to understand that there, there's, a, there's a pretty wide spectrum there that Jesus is telling us to love. And somewhere in the middle is the people we don't even know. Now I realize that, and we don't even have connection to necessarily. Like, like we've never met them. Look, I've been privileged enough to be in Haiti and saw the Convoy of Hope and, and their feeding initiative in, in orphanages and schools. I saw it, and I saw some because I met some kids that, that money that Convoy of Hope is feeding. I, I've seen them. I've seen the kids. I've held the kids. I've played soccer with the kids. I, I kicked the soccer ball around with them, and they, they made us all look terrible. They were really good. They're playing with a half-flat soccer ball, and they, they just scored goals on us left and right. And they're like fourth graders, right? I mean, they made us look horrible. So I've met some of them. But I haven't met the 150,000 that they're feeding every day. Do you know what? They fit somewhere in that middle ground. And if Jesus is telling us to, to love our enemies and he's telling us to love our neighbors, somewhere in that middle ground, all these people that are less fortunate than us, that, that we'd rather sort of, like we'd rather not look, right? I mean, driving through Jamaica, I would have preferred to just keep my head turned towards the affluent side, to the Bureau Star and, and, and the Hilton and all those nice, nice, nice places along the beach instead of turning my head looking at the other side of the street where there's poverty. And homes with dirt floors. And Jamaica's affluent in comparison to Haiti. And when you drive down that street and you look at that and you see it, you cannot ignore it. And when I, when I landed in Haiti two years ago and I saw the poverty, I could not ignore it. It's one of the reasons why we do One Day to Feed the World because, because we have to do something. But it's also why we do. And look, today we're, we're, we're doing One Day to Feed the World. We'll get to the offering in just a moment. But Jesus wants us to love people, period. And look, I don't have to know much about their stories. All I have to know is that Jesus wants me to do for others what I would like them to do for me. 
And if I were in that situation or my kids lived in that situation, I'd like a bunch of people in America to put some dollars together and, and do an offering to one day to feed the world so that my kid could, could eat if they were going to go hungry. That, that's what I want. And so today that's what we're doing. And Jesus started this teaching in verse 27. He started with these words. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. I tease Angela about her Bible that she reads, the message. She reads it a lot. I tease her because I tease her. It's not a translation. If you read the message, don't listen to me. I, I'm just messing with her. Um, it's just a paraphrase. It's a paraphrase that Eugene Peterson does an incredible job with. And Luke 27 through 36 in the message is a pretty powerful piece of Scripture. And we'll read it here. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When some, someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, then stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If, you, if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice a servant life. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do what? Do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without, without expecting return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind. You be kind. Here's the challenge for us today. Live in a way that honors God with everything that we have. I know that for some gathered today, the whole idea of one day to feed the world or any day that we do a special offering or any offerings brings some level of discomfort because you wish you could do more. That's a great thing about giving in the kingdom of God. It isn't about an amount. It's about the heart and the obedience. The only way we can do this is if we create financial margins in our lives. In America, we tend to think that everything we get is for us, but as soon as we learn to live on less than we make, we can create an ability in our lives to meet needs of people around us. The responsibility can't be on God to give us more. We must learn to live on less than we currently make and then trust Him to bless us and use what He blesses us with wisely. Look, today as we do a one day to feed the world offering, this isn't about making anybody feel guilty. In fact, I don't want anybody to do more than a day's offering. Look, the, the idea of the offering is one day to feed the world. Give a one day's wage. So whatever, if you can, if you can do one day's wage, then do it. If you can't, do what you can. Do, do what God puts in your heart to do. There is no pressure. What we are asking is we just want to do something to bless those who are less fortunate in our world. I know some people have, they know this day is coming. And so all year they've just given. 
enough that would, every time they give an offering, they give enough that covers their one-day offering for this day just to budget it out. There's people that do that. That's awesome. I don't care how we do it. I just want to do something for people that need some significant help. This morning, we're going to receive the offering. If you're writing a check, just write it the First Assembly and put it in an offering envelope, and we'll receive it in just a moment. Today, our focus has been on one day to feed the world, but it doesn't stop there. We want to help feed the world around us, but we also want to make a difference in our city as well. For example, over the next couple of weeks and through this Christmas season, you're going to hear us talk a little bit about the lives of foster kids that are aging out of the system. 18-year-old kids that have never been adopted. They, they don't have anybody who cares for them. And, and what's going to happen is they're going to have to set up life on their own. And we want to try and help up, set up a couple homes for just help in that process. And you'll hear some more about that over the next couple weeks. Because you know what? We're, we're, we're walking from Thanksgiving to Christmas. We come from being thankful for what we have. We're looking forward to giving gifts. And what better place to give gifts to people that have great need? Look, we're doing hats and gloves for kids at Highland Park Central that some of you have signed up to be lunch buddies because we want to make a difference in the lives of kids at Highland Park Central. Look, can we do every school in the city? No, we can't, but we want to do something for some of them. Look, for 5 or $10, you can go out and buy hats and gloves and, and you can do something. So for 5 or $10 investment in a lot of ways, you can, you can make a difference. And look... A blood drive. I realize it doesn't seem to be that, that major of a deal. But for those that received blood or needed it, their life, their life depended on it. And I think the church ought to be involved in that. Look, I don't know, maybe you're a little bit like me and you're like, I'm going to pass out. Remember, if we just do what we should do, we don't get credit for that. Maybe some of you have great fear about giving blood or whatever. Face your fears. Because somebody's life may depend on it. I think I've given blood one time in my life. is because my grandfather was in the hospital and needed blood. If I can make it work in my schedule because it's not going to work, I'll, I'm going to be here. And you can all come watch me. It could be an entertaining moment. No, just, just look, I think look, part of this idea about feeding kids around the world, about providing hats and gloves for kids in, in, in our public schools, for, for, for ministering to kids in the foster care system and those aging out, and giving blood in these moments. Why? Why do we do these things? Are, is the gospel preached in that moment? No. But they're going to be alive long enough to potentially hear the message of the gospel, and that matters because it's our responsibility. And yes, it does display the love of Jesus to, to give. Look, and you know what, honestly? Other than time, giving blood costs you nothing. Your body's been created by God so well that it knows how to replenish that. So you're not going to lose anything other than some time. But it could save your life or one of your family's lives at some point. And look, that's what compassion is all about. Compassion is meeting needs that you might not otherwise, they're, they're not really connected to you, but you have compassion for them because you're living out the love of the Savior. That's why we're given today in an offering. 
we might never meet those kids that we're providing food for. Some of you, I hope you'll go with us to Haiti and end of May, beginning of June, to see some of the kids that you're providing food for. It'll, it'll wreck you. <laughs> it'll be a great moment. You'll never be the same because of it. It'll raise your compassion quotient, your, your care component in your life so high because you'll see that what you've done has changed a person's life. And many of them have come to faith because of it. That's a powerful statement. Look, today I want you to consider how are you loving those around you? How are you caring for the poor in our community as well as around the world? If we can't care for our neighbors who aren't our enemies, how will we ever care and pray for our enemies? If we can't give to bless those who are less fortunate, how will we ever do what Jesus has commanded us as followers of Jesus to do? To bless, to do good, to pray, and to care for those who hate us. We won't ever. Start here so we can get to where Jesus wants us to get, and that's loving our enemies. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for God, just this opportunity we have to give out of our resources in some ways and sacrifice and, 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 and giving up some things in order to do it. But God, I'm praying that you would take this offering and Lord, you would feed kids in places like Haiti and the Philippines. Lord, those who would go without meals if it wasn't for what Convoy's doing in those places. Lord, use it to accomplish your work. God, of feeding kids. But kids and families come to know you as Savior and Lord. God, I pray you would bless every person that's able to give. God, I pray for those who can't. God, I pray that you'd bless them. Help them to figure out ways that they can use their resources to, for the furthering of your kingdom and to accomplish your work and to, to bless those that are less fortunate. God, I pray. God, as we do this and we do the things in our community, Lord, we just let people know that you love them, you care for them, that you want what's best for them. And God, that we'd get to the place where we'd be able to love those that hate us, love those who are enemies. God, that we'd be able to live the God kind of life 